1: live. Greetings, friends, and welcome into another Kingdom Message. I'm your host, Reverend Stephen Michael. We're also joined today by Pastor Boyle. We'll be doing uh, the normal service, a little condensed format, uh, for Sabbath and for a supplement to the assemblies and those who do not have a local assembly, you can join with us every week, and uh, Yahweh bless you. We're going to uh, start with the uh, quick uh, opening uh, of the the trumpet blast that's uh, recorded in the scripture to be done at every Sabbath and at every new moon. And like it says in Joel chapter 2, it says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. So if you will, uh, Pastor Les, and if anyone else, wants to join with us every sabbath and you have a shofar you can now blow it in your local houses or assemblies or churches together with us at this time
2: Okay.
1: okay Praise Yahweh. Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to gather together in your name this, your Sabbath. Your day that you have told us is for our benefit. We worship you. We thank you. We welcome you. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We pray for forgiveness under the blood of the Lamb that we're able to, in our physical bodies, your temples, to bless you, may our physical bodies be healed, protected, and uh, empowered. May they be cleansed, may they be strengthened, may they be, uh, for every one of us, no disease, no uh, uh, peril of, of sorts of the flesh able to attack our flesh, and that we might be protected under the blood of the Lamb and under your great wings. And may we be uh, found in the refuge of your armor, uh, as you told us to have that breastplate of righteousness, as you have told us to have our loins gird with truth, and to have that shield of faith, whereby we're able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. May we be skillful with that sword of truth, that sword of the spirit of your word, Father. And may we have that helmet of salvation, that helmet that only Yeshua could could achieve for us to protect us and to keep us under that great shadow of your wings. And so, Father, may our feet be prepared with the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, and may we be able to stand in the days we live with a good witness of your kingdom gospel for the nations. And so, Father, uh, if you will bless this Bible study now, if you'll bless this service now, all those who are listening in, we will thank you for that, Father, and we worship and thank you. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Amen. Okay, then. uh, Now let's read uh, what's called the greatest commandment Yeshua told us all. In Mark 12, verse 29. And it, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our Elohim is one Yahweh. Okay? He would just refer them back to what every Hebrew prays every morning. Deuteronomy 6.4. And let's read it together. Uh, Pastor Les and I will we'll uh together uh read it but first of all uh i wanted to uh invite pastor boyle to um do a scripture reading at this time so pastor less the
0: uh,
3: Psalm 91 okay He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High Illinois, Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai. I will sing of Yahweh. He is my refuge and my fortress, my Elohim. And him Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Be afraid for the terror by night, not for the arrow that fire by day, not for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, for the destruction that wasteth at the noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand. It shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made Yahweh, which is my refuge, even the Most High of my habitation, I have a faith. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come while thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, as thou hast thy food Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. All in life will I satisfy him. Salvation. You uh, you look at that scripture and read it over and remember that this is talking about the day of Yahweh when He, uh, the day of His wrath upon the wicked. And people that eat that we're, we're going to be taken up to heaven or wrapped up to heaven to escape that day of wrath, that just totally uh, goes against what it says in Psalms 91. Because Psalms 91 is talking about the day of his wrath, where he rewards the wicked. And we, we will be there with, uh, like it says, a thousand shall fall up by side, ten thousand at right hand, that it shall not come down. Only with one eye shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So, I to keep that in mind, and I, I, it's a good idea to, to memorize that whole chapter. Keep it in your heart, and study it, and look up the words, and get the definition. There's a, there's a lot to be learned from those verses. There's a uh, Three times that he uses the word deliver, and all three times it's a different word in the Hebrew, So it means more than just deliver.
1: Amen. Well, praise Yahweh. Uh, I think your mic is a little low, so next time just try and check it to be a a bit louder uh, so everyone knows... We'll uh, try and get that uh, sorted so it's a bit louder. Uh, but uh, now uh, let's do the Shema together. Uh, that's just going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And uh, you can do it as a song as well. But let's just read it in English. We also might do the Hebrew song of this passage. From time to time, Yeshua called it the greatest commandment, so why not? Uh, But at this time, we'll do it in English, and it reads, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh, and thou shalt love Yahweh, thy Elohim, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. Hallelujah. Amen. And so today uh, we're going to do the communion service. And uh, if you have bread and wine, uh, please at this time uh, get it ready because we'll be uh, following up with that right at the end so everyone can pour their their cups together with us and drink and and take of the bread. Uh, If you don't have the bread or wine handy, we can just pray for the blessing upon it and then ask that you will... uh, Actually, you can then go and buy it and pray over it again it's the prayer that we are going to give it uh, today, and so uh, I'll give a few minutes. If anyone wants to grab the wine and bread.
2: Okay, uh, I think uh, if everyone is ready, uh, I better go ahead and start.
1: Now, uh, today's Bible study will be on the topic of are you ready for the return of the saints? Yes, everyone has it somewhere in their doctrines that saints at some stage will return. And they talk about how, oh, yes, it's in our Bibles. But they don't talk about what it all entails. They don't go much further except to say, is it in our Bibles or not? And then they will just say, well, it's in our Bibles, you see? And they hide behind the text. And what does it say? The text killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So if we're just going to squabble about the text rather than teach it, Rather than say, well, what in the world is that going to be like? What in the world should we expect? What in the world, if we're saints, we're going to be caught up together, so it's not going to be a total shock to us, or maybe if we're supposed to be already doing something, or we're expected to be at a certain standard like the early apostles were, and they were doing a lot of things that I do not see people doing these days. Are we really missing the boat?" or not, that's what I want to get into today, because so many just argue about it and say, is it in the Bible or not, and that's all, and they don't talk about what it will, how to do it, okay, they talk about the, the doctrine of communion of saints, right, everyone's heard of that doctrine, and they say, well, is it in the Bible or not? We all say the Apostles' Creed, and one of the sentences in there is the communion of saints. It's not a vague doctrine. They explained very clearly in many creeds and in many liturgies, missals, and so forth, what that is. Okay, Communion is basically communication, exchange. Okay, we aren't just talking about exchange with the regular folks that we know, or with, you know, our friends that we call saints. We're talking about exchange, as it says, we're come to a great company of angels, of saints, the 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 spirits of just men made perfect. So yeah. Uh, Some of us will just have our spirits up there right now at the throne. It says that the throne is surrounded by thousands upon thousands of people who are uttering all sorts of praise and glory. And if you're on the throne, then you're up there with it all. Uh, It says, Paul said anyway, that we are seated with him in heavenly places. So it is there. We are there. And from time to time, Paul said that he went up there and he heard all sorts of words that it was almost to be unlawful to be uttered Uh, up there in heaven, in the third heaven. So, you know, Enoch, it says, went up into heaven and didn't come back. Uh, It says Elijah went up into heaven and didn't come back with the whole body. There's not only Enoch up there, there's not only Elijah up there, Moses is up there, probably not only Moses, I wouldn't leave out a number of other saints who went up there with their whole physical body. Now, if they're up in heaven, and heaven is all around us, as it says in the scripture, heaven is not up, it says Abraham was able to speak across the void to someone in hell and even hear what the guy down there in hell had to say. So if they can even reach beyond the earth, all the way down into hell, then why in the world, if Abraham can speak all the way down there, why can't they speak all the way just to this level? Communion doesn't... Everyone argues about communion, so I just wanted to, to, to mention it in passing because it's a topic that is very clear. Scriptures say there will be communication. So, um, we have to say, well, is it in there or not? Yeah, it's in there.
3: Uh,
1: so, should we just say it's in there and not talk about it anymore? Or should we be uh, at least telling people, look, it says that this the saints are coming back uh, and that they will be first uh here in the earth okay uh some really are teaching heavily within the catholic church and within other churches not only the catholic church but in many others that uh hey um you know that communication line with the rest of the body of christ who is living uh it is just as connected as it was when for example Isaiah he could hear or or Elijah they could hear what was going on in when there was a court decision in Babylon uh they could they could uh, communicate with you know people without telephones okay that's all throughout the scriptures that they did that and they could even uh, have that sort of communication. So if you have this sort of communication possible, then when the saints are even who are even more holy and more accomplished, and they're now up there in heaven, they're now with the body, without the body, however you want to call it, but Yeshua said that you're alive when you're at his throne in paradise the same day when you leave your body. So I'm not in any way, saying anyone should pray to a, a saint. The communion of saints has to do with, look, just like a friend like me or you, we're able to talk to each other, but they're already they're living and they're up there. Uh, and whether we talk, Yeshua talked to Moses, it says that he came down on the Mount of Transfiguration and everyone can see Moses. Everyone could see who came down, uh, you know, Elijah as well. They were sitting there together talking with Yeshua. So that is a doctrine that is just in passing that is out there. Uh, it is important. Uh, it is not discussed enough because people leave it at that as soon as they say, well, it's possible. And one good point I want to mention is, yeah, it's traditional that people will maybe try and acknowledge the saints, the living saints like Moses or Elijah, only when they're in a state of prayer to Yahweh or in a state of deep meditation and thought and in a state of going to church, in a state of prayer and singing. And at that moment, they won't pray to the saints, but they'll say, isn't this wonderful? Uh, Why don't we all join and, and unite in prayer to Yahweh? That's basically, and if you're a baby Christian, they'll say, well, can you pray for me just the same way that you ask your neighbor, please pray for me? Uh, that's the only thing that they say, the words that they're, even the Catholic Church, in their most extreme view, is just say, please pray for us.
0: They don't even, they don't
1: pray to saints. They say, ask the saints, pray for you. And it says the saints are up there. They are watching everything. One time it says, Jeremiah, in the book of Tobit, uh, was it 2 Maccabees, it says Jeremiah came back with the high priest um, with the priest Ananias at a battle of Judah. And they came down because it says uh, the, the king there, the, the king of Judah was saying, look, here comes Jeremiah. He, he's been praying for all the saints for hundreds of years now. He's been praying for all of Judah and Israel. And he came down and, and Jeremiah gave a sword to the the king of Judah to to go and slay the enemy with and Jeremiah came down and everyone witnessed it, okay? So if that's able to happen, if Jeremiah is watching what's going on and praying for everybody, like it says there in the Apocrypha, if even Enoch was told, hey, Enoch, tell those bad angels or those fallen angels, tell them to pray for Israel, Why are they praying for their hybrid offspring, remember? I don't know if you remember that one. But Enoch, so if we're going to ask saints to pray for us, that's not so bad as what Enoch was doing. It says Enoch was telling the fallen angels to pray for us. So don't anyone tell me that, oh, just because it's in some older churches, that they have sort of a mixed understanding about it, that now we need to throw it all out. No, it says the saints are coming back and they're going to be here before anyone else is. And that's going to be my topic of today is that the saints are coming back to fully restore order before Yeshua comes back. And it says, then the dead in Christ, well, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to come restore order and unction in before the rest who are living in Christ are resurrected, or even, it says, those who are alive and remain, then we will be caught up together with them, okay, in the clouds, in his glory. Well, right now, the, the saints are in the clouds, and they are sort of coming back. Uh, that's what it says will happen, and that's what has historically happened. It has historically happened. It's continued to happen. Uh, yeshua himself has come back several times and uh but not as his full return and uh throughout history uh different men who were dead in Christ who were later translated to be under yeshua that he came and when he went into sheol and he went and and led all the captives free and so forth and those who were in abraham's bosom were led into paradise. And they were, all the times that they gave all the sacrifices for their sins, and it was transferred to Yeshua. So they have all been brought in to the saints. Every one of them. Do you agree with that, Pastor Les, that all the saints who died before Christ, that they are now considered the main body of saints? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Jeremiah, he's right up there with all the saints. Maybe they have a little bit different position or function because, uh, what does it say, that John the Baptist was considered the least in the kingdom even though he was the, one of the greatest. I don't know, maybe that changed after the burial and the resurrection. Uh, but uh, what's your take on that, Pastor Les? Uh, why was, do you know... Uh, uh, The only explanation I've heard is that uh, because now we have a new birth spirit, that John the Baptist didn't have a chance to partake in that while he was on earth. So John the Baptist, while he was one of the greatest, is still one of the least. Are you familiar with that or have an answer for that?
3: He didn't want to partake of one?
1: Well, he didn't get to uh, experience the after the resurrection, the new spirit.
3: Oh, well, it, uh, that was meant for the New Testament saints. And That's typified by the um, the barley harvest, which was the when when uh, Christ was crucified at Passover. Was, it was during the time of barley harvest. And he was the uh, he was the first uh firstborn of the uh, the dead during the uh feast of first fruits. Um and that feast of first fruits, that that uh just after Passover was for the barley harvest.
1: Well, let me read it uh, from Matthew 11, verse 1. It says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater man than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So it's saying, look, I think that that standpoint is saying, look how great John the Baptist was, right? But if you're in the if you have your spirit man that it says when yeshua breathed into them after the resurrection he breathed into them and said receive ye holy spirit is before is 10 days before the giving of the holy spirit but he said at that day before he resurrected before he ascended he told them already long before pentecost and the actual holy spirit came that there was Our indwelling spirit, which is different from the Holy Spirit, he said, receive your indwelling spirit. And so now we have more power, even though there was no man stronger, no man more powerful, no man more uh, good at teaching than John the Baptist, who was born of any woman in the earth. But compare it now, after the resurrection. That's what it's saying. What we have now, he wishes he could have had, but you know, he's, he was put there at a place and he did quite good. But we have now unbelievable reservoir, like Yeshua said, that rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being, he told that woman, and you'll never thirst again. You know, and uh, so we have the real thing now. We have his laws that show us more and more how to stay on his path and stay under those wings. If you wonder why there's problems going on, it's because perhaps we've slipped out from under the wings. And we need to get back under the wings. Well, what are the wings? We have done a few Bible studies on that. A few Bible studies of what are the wings? How do we know we're under them? What is those shadows of the wings? It says that the feasts and the Sabbath are the shadows. It says that his law is what's on the corner of those garments, his law. So we gotta go back under it if we're getting, if we see bombs exploding, you know, for example, some catastrophe is going on and we're saying, because it says he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, he'll deliver you from the arrows you'll have that shield of faith and the righteousness that quenches it all and that is, is protecting us all, but it's under his law. So maybe we're missing it somewhere. Like Yeshua said, we live by every word, and that word live is the word prosper, and we live by every word. So if you want to have success in every way, you're going to have it as to the measure that you live by his word. So maybe more and more in faith we're going to grow by how much we live by his word. But we'll get it sooner or later. His standard is his law. As it says, that we know the knowledge of sin through the law. And as we confess our sin, that's transgression of the law, he will forgive us and wash us of all sin and unrighteousness. 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of the law. Many places say that what sin is, the definition of sin, is breaking the law, and it's a commanded to a thousand generations. I think now we only have about a hundred and something generations, so there's many more to go, and when he comes back, it says he will make the constitution of the earth, the commandments, the law of Moses, and if Egypt even doesn't come up to keep the Feast of tabernacles, it says that they will not get any rain on their land. Zechariah chapter 14 says this, and uh, he will reign and have glory. His command, his uh, covenant with David, that there will not fail, that a man will sit of his seed of David in every generation, whether or not they're righteous or not, but that they will, in some way, uh, it will be fulfilled. And at 500 BC, that throne of David was brought to Ireland, where all the kings were crowned. And then later, all the kings, and by the way, the Irish are all called sons of Aaron. <coughs> That's because Jeremiah was a son of Aaron, and so was Baruch the scribe. Jeremiah brought that throne and crowned the, the king of Ireland. And the king of Ireland was an Israelite. We have his genealogy, it's in many uh, teachings. He was a descendant of Judah, he was also a king of, uh, of the Scythians at some stage he became a, a king in africa in the northern part uh and he uh conquered he killed three lions in, in africa before he moved to to ireland and uh his three sons uh became the three high kings of ireland and later you know you know it's very well recorded how he moved there how what happened with his sons how the inheritance passed down of the first king of the King of Ireland, and which grandson married Jeremiah the the, uh, the king's daughter from Judah that Jeremiah says brought with him the king's daughters, because Judah was totally overrun and destroyed, and only uh, the, the all the sons were killed of of the Pharaoh's branch of Judah, the king's uh, sons were killed, but only the daughters were let live. And so Jeremiah, together with Bruke, brought the King's David's throne, brought David's harp, brought everything over to Ireland, including the daughters, and married them. And this was recognized by several nations later on. Uh, many times uh, uh, that uh, there was trade going on between Egypt, of course, together with Troy in Ireland, together with Egypt in Ireland. This was very well connected. It was. It wasn't that hard to travel. Well, these days it's not that hard, and those days it wasn't that hard either. Solomon's ships were able to go to America without any problem. So, same thing with if you're just going from Ireland, together with the royal families and the, the most richest, uh, you know, fleets and so forth. They had no problem. Uh, they had quite good ships, better than the Titanic and so forth as far as uh, the durability, I think, the way Solomon built them. It says in in there how many they could fit on Solomon's ships Uh, in in Persia. They recorded this. In Babylon, they recorded this, how how well uh, designed they were and able to be uh, maneuvered. And they took, (laughs) when the, the... Judah went into Babylonian captivity. Babylon took those ships. And it talks about later, Joseph of Arimathea was broken out of prison by an army who fit on one of those ships of Solomon, and they came with the Duke of Persia to go break Jeremiah out of prison in Wales. And, uh, to, I'm sorry, break Joseph of Arimathea out of prison and uh, later, Joseph, of course, founded uh, Glastonbury and the, the 12 Hides with King of Vargas, and uh, Joseph gave the coat of arms to King of Vargas, to, to the, the Red Cross shield, uh, which became the coat of arms for all of England and all the royal kings for quite some time, that red cross on the shield, and, uh, of course, later... We know that uh, all the saints were sent from Britain because it was the only place that was given a refuge in the whole world for a real uh, by government protection for a, uh, a whole church to survive and flourish. So uh, we have to know our history to know what's coming up in the future. Uh, they're all living now, whether with their body or without. They're up there in heaven, and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, if Jeremiah came down and gave that sword down in, in to the king's army uh, of Judah and he was known to have been praying for, and it says that he was praying for the Israelites you know, for all these uh, this, this time. They're praying for this. He prayed for Israelites. So is the rest of the church praying for the Israelites whether they're here or not. To merely... Uh, say like Enoch did, tell those, tell them to pray for the Israelites. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, let's not uh, get so upset about the doctrine of the saints. I think that's an important thing to mention uh, because the saints are coming back. They're on their way back. Uh, there's uh, about seven large studies posted on ChristAssembly.com. I'll encourage everyone to read. Uh, they're entitled... Uh, let me give you the name. It's called, it's called Part 1 through 7. It's called, All Saints Are Literally Coming Back Before the Millennium to Fully Restore Order. Yes, that's a doctrine of the Scripture, and this goes so exhaustively throughout the Scripture, and it's so encouraging. Uh, start with Part 1 and go through Part 7. There are several parts, and I'll just read through them for you very quickly uh part 1 so here you can go from crisisassembly.com on the front page scroll down to about 3 quarters down the front page and you can reach the uh the first part 1 it's yeah about maybe 60% down and it starts with several of the propositions. This came out of a, a great article, or, uh, actually, uh, large theology books uh, that was published about a hundred years ago. And uh, basically, uh, this was uh, called uh, the, the text of the, of the theology series was called the Theocratic Kingdom. You can download this uh, if you have eSword. You can download it for free. That's the best way to do it. Just look for the Theocratic Kingdom in eSword. And the best part about that is you can click on each Bible verse. And if you really want to have a very interesting study, download this, get it going. uh, And just realize anytime you see the word Jews, it doesn't show up that often, but it's just referring to the whole Israelite Christian people of the earth. Um, because it does say that a kingdom with the land, with his laws, with their king, Yeshua, what it says in the scripture. So it's very nicely put together. Several propositions, starting 125, I think, through 130, uh, that is talking exclusively on the resurrection of the saints and how it's going to be physical resurrection. And... uh, a lot of very uh, interesting studies. I recommend, again, download it through eSorg. Don't use it through the uh, our web pages. It's just archived there for really a reference sake, or let's say someone is Googling and searching for these truths and needs a place where it's all in one uh, to see that it is going to be physical. It is going to be literal. It's not just talking about something that we cannot... Um nothing you know, a lot will say it's it's something we cannot comprehend, it's intangible. No. The scriptures say he it'll be a physical rebuilding of a kingdom, his kingdom. And so that's the, the, the uh the, the the whole point. It says pray daily that his kingdom come on earth. It says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you all the necessities of life so really everything has to be thinking about the kingdom praise yahweh Uh, we have someone from east maryland on the line i think Uh, if you have any questions you can start by typing them in the chat room uh if not then uh we will within the next 15 minutes uh switch over to questions and answers uh you can also uh, mention uh, If you have any questions or answers towards the end, we'll let you know when that is the, the correct time. As it says, do everything in order. Uh, we try to do so at the Christ Assembly. And so, uh, really, uh, the, this topic is so important to say, basically, the saints are coming back. Uh, As it says, Uh, you can get the the very detailed studies, how it will be a physical resurrection. It will be to rebuild his kingdom. Uh, You can also get another article, very helpful. It's called His Ecclesia, or His Church, will be stronger than it ever has been. Okay? People are all talking about defeat of the church and saying we're all just going to become homosexual atheists. Uh, mixing with Islam and mixing with Buddhism and who knows what else until there is no shred of idea of Christ. um, And just promoting blasphemy. And if you don't promote blasphemy, you're not allowed into the churches anymore. That's what everybody has said. I don't think I read that in the scriptures that we're all just going to become a big blasphemer uh, organization. That we're just going to teach people to go so extreme against nature to actually rip out our own body parts so we're not able to have children. That we're going to um, hate children that much. That we would go against nature so strongly. That, uh, you know, the way that Yahweh designed Creation itself to literally commit such blasphemies against it and then to go up into the front of the church and to bless it. You know, there's a number of other blasphemies that come to mind, and I'm not going to pick any others, but I just wanted to mention that anything that is going against nature, going against the design of the Creator, that is total contempt, hate, rebellion, and blasphemy against the Creator Himself in every way, shape, and form, all nature, all creation, groans and travaileth for those who will be honest and speak the truth, not be under the lies of bondage of these promoting these blasphemies. And, you know, that's what it is. has nothing to do with the church coming, because the church is coming will not have any part in the blasphemy. It says, you touch not the unclean things. So many times in the New Testament it says you be separate and holy from the things of the earth, from the worldly, from the evil things that are going on. Be separate, be clean, it says. So many times it says to be separate. So many times it says not to touch the unclean things that's going on. I did a whole study on this. Uh, and did a uh, good uh, presentation, so I hope folks will check it out, where Paul said that if you will uh, follow these things, you'll do good for your success in the Earth. And uh, abstain from blood, abstain from things strangled, abstain from uh, the uh, pollutions of idols, so on and so forth. Uh, really broken down in a good way that also has a whole section on separating from the unclean. It says, let the unclean remain unclean and let the clean remain clean. There's no time for dealing with them. Just, hey, uh, be separate. Remember that word, separate. Do not mix the church together with blasphemy and do not force us and expect us to also endorse and promote blasphemy and promote abominations, and promote wickedness against the God of Israel. The God of Israel has given us his laws and has told us what is good and what is evil. He has told us what it is, and to promote the evil. It's literally going on in places that used to be called church and holy places. But um, the, the coming church will not have a part in any of that. It says they're going to be wasted and destroyed, those who do not stay under the shadow of his wings, but they go out into those places where it's under evil, and let them be their gods and be their kings and lords over them, all the evil wickedness but that we will be under the shadow of his wings. The shadow of his wings is called his Sabbath feast. And on the corner of those wings, it says, is the commandments, is the tzitzits that remind us of all the 613 laws. And so that's the definition of sin. We confess our sin. He forgives us. It says that's how we know what sin is. So we move on. We don't sit around in any of that. We walk in the Spirit. It says his law is spiritual, Romans 7.14. So we go forward in his spiritual law, and we will be overcomers and conquerors. We're not going to be judging by the sight of our eyes or what we hear, but we're going to know that Yahweh is the only one who stays in with the truth and follows through. And we're going to continue to rest and trust in his way, trusting him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, not to be giving our heart over to the evil and the wicked, to think that they will somehow line up later on. We're just supposed to go along with them. No, that's not what it says. We're to be in his kingdom with his people, praying his whole kingdom governance for all of his laws that he's given to Israel is to be done in the earth. And it it says that there will be a time we'll become a church without spot or wrinkle, and then he'll return. Then he will return and come back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle, and it says, "Not until we're a witness of the kingdom governance of God, then the end can come. The end is going to come until we're really a the witness of the kingdom." Matthew twenty-four verse fourteen. And that is, uh, these scriptures are cataloged quite well in this article. It's called His Ecclesia will be stronger than it has ever been. The city said on the hill cannot be hid. Um, it says we've been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And it says we are a holy nation of conquerors. All authority and power has been given unto our king, Yeshua. We are already seated with him on his throne. We are his living and royal priesthood. And our king is forever, our high king priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, We are to be uh, exercising his living word, preserved in the holy scriptures. And we will go forward in obedience in his great commission to teach all nations to obey his law. Nations, okay, his government that he's given at the national level. Yes, the way that a nation should operate. It's going to be shown. It says pray for his kingdom governance. Almost all the law of Moses, three quarters of it, is with the way you run a nation. It's not about do this and do it, don't do that, not all of it anyway. It talks about how to deal with your agriculture, how to deal with interest rates, and how to, you know, not to have interest how you're not supposed to tax the people, how you deal with bankruptcy, what you're supposed to do with the jubilee year, a number of things, how you're not supposed to do with this with the sewage or this or that with the, with certain animals, how you're not supposed to mix the seed of the crops, how you're supposed to leave a portion of the crops for the poor, how you're supposed to tithe, how you're supposed to reckon by genealogy, how you're supposed to... Assemble yearly through the, on the inside of your father's house for the tabernacles. How you're supposed to keep out of the congregation certain kinds of people. And how you're supposed to just let them be free and, and have their own independence somewhere else if they want to be promoting abominations, but not for them to promote it so much that we're supposed to promote it. When it goes totally, 100% against everything good in nature itself. Not only in nature itself, but in the scriptures. What it says very clearly, word for word, is a blasphemy. Or word for word, is wickedness. Literally. If it says this certain deed is wickedness, and for them to say, after all these thousands of years, and after the last 20 years, 10 years, just because five years ago they got a radical extremist politician activist who did a stunt political, uh, you know, overthrow, who just by the stroke of a pen says, now, okay, we're celebrating this abomination, and every church who doesn't support or promote this abomination (coughs) will be, dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, that doesn't mean now all of a sudden God has endorsed it. No, it's says the only rulers are the ones who are ordained of Yahweh. And if you look at the national debt, you look and you'll see that these so-called rulers have no power. If you look at really the, the credit crisis situation, they don't even have anything of value. We of the church have everything that's of value and we choose to let them or not have any value or power or for what limit that we give them to exercise anything over the church. That's it. They don't have any power in themselves. Yahweh didn't ordain them. We are permitting them to rule over us. We're allowing them, and in our rebellion against his commandments, we ourselves are letting them sit up there in positions who think they're in positions Of some sort of power against us maybe they can kill us maybe they can throw us in prison maybe they can do something bad to us that's true Uh, but that will be met with miracles that will be not something that we should go stake ourselves out on and be uh, irresponsible Yeshua told us be good with the unrighteous mammon too uh, because we, if you're not good with the, the mammon of the world, then probably you can't be trusted with Yahweh's uh, uh, stuff. So we're going to at least have to do what's required in some some well, some way not to totally uh, put ourselves uh, against the normal things of society, uh, at least that were normal even five years ago before the political stunts. But uh, that's what they are. They're political stunts against nature, and they'll go away. They're not going to last. They don't reproduce children, and they're not going to continue to be in the earth for very long. Every time there's a very extreme thing against Yahweh, it just makes Yahweh's case stronger, and it actually makes people come back to Christ and realize, wow, you know, we're really in trouble if we don't... uh, do what's right now. And I think every time that the enemy attacks the church, we are his church, everyone who believes in Yeshua as their king and died for their sins, they're in his one holy church. Then, uh, you know, we're attacked, but guess what? Every time they do that, it just awakens us. It gets more people to wake up and go, oh, wait a second, that's right. These chains that they put all over our neck, they're kind of... uh, you know, maybe sin isn't a very good idea. You know, maybe we should start keeping the commandments, you know, and so it normally will work in our favor and wake people up. I'm not going to say it's always going to be that bad, but Yahweh even let them to be in that place because we are uh, going against his laws to punish us. The, these rulers, these tyrants, are um, punishing us for our rebellion from our King Jesus and his eternal commandments that he gave to Moses. Yeah, Jesus gave the commandments to Moses because it says he even was here when the earth was created. So don't tell me that Jesus gave some new commandments. He only reiterated the same thing and said, now do it with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And guess what? Uh, yeah, we have grace, but it's for obedience, Romans 1.15. And um, the rest is really mercy, and I hope people will uh, realize it's dangerous territory to be uh, teaching anyone to break any of his laws. Like he, Jesus even said in Matthew 5.19, they who teach men to break even the least of these commandments... That they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But they who teach men and do keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we want to start teaching people more to keep them, but really be careful not to teach anyone to break them. Uh, just confess the sin at least, you know? I mean, don't be teaching anyone to, to break it. Uh, that's what we have to be very careful of. And it says if we don't – it says they who continue to just teach breaking the commandments, lawlessness, that word lawlessness comes up when it says, uh, depart from me, I never knew you, you who work lawlessness. Okay, uh, that's what's going to happen. He doesn't know us. Not only that, it says many times that we don't even know who he is if we don't keep his commandments. It's the way we learn more of who he is. It's how we get more knowledge is by keeping his commandments. And then we learn, who is this God of Israel? He's called the God of Israel. He's not just called some sort of, you know, unknown. He is Yahweh, God of Israel. And how he relates to the earth is with his high priesthood through Israel. And now we're supposed to be a witness of the kingdom of that way, the way nations should run themselves. And then the end will come. It's coming. We're going to get a land somewhere that is going to be able to be holy, separate, set on a hill, and cannot be hid. Praise Yahweh for it. It's coming one way or another. Um, I do hope everyone will be encouraged. And that is what is coming. It cannot be escaped. That's what the saints are doing. The saints are not only coming back sometime in the future, but it says that they are, you know, for example, always somewhere doing something. Uh, they're, they're praying. They're interceding for us, just like we're supposed to intercede. And when if you're absent from the body, you'll be present with Yahweh, and they'll also be singing praises to Yahweh, but also looking and interceding for the kingdom because this is the center of the creation here on earth where we've been uh, created in his image. And the rest of the world out there, I don't think we're given a chance to be made in his image and to become sons. So those who've been brought here are special in that we're able to become, as it says, adopted. And the adoption pertains to Israelites, as it says. In Romans 9, verse 4 and 5, the adoption pertains to Israelites. So if you want to become adopted, you've got to be an Israelite. So uh, I hope this blessing will be, or this. Uh, <laughs> it is a blessing too, but it's his word. But I wanted to say that I pray that this study will be blessed to you. And uh, everyone's hearts will grow in the knowledge of the end. And uh, I think we should now uh, look at a closing prayer. Uh, Pastor Les, will you close us in prayer? Hello, uh, Pastor Les
2: Boyle, are you there?
1: Okay, I will close in prayer. I think there's a problem with the audio. Almighty oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that when two or more are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. And uh, I thank you we have this way together every Sabbath together with uh, other believers, whether they're on the line uh, through Skype or if they're on the line through ChristAssembly.com or if they're in the talk shoe or however syndicated that, or if they're downloading through MP3 at this stage, uh, Father, uh, just bless them and let them know that they can join with us in prayer every Sabbath and and come on with our services. Uh, Father, uh, we ask for your blessing on the remainder of the service. Amen. So I'm going to uh, do a small communion service. Very important. Yeshua said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you shall have no life in you. So it's all about life. Paul said it's the cup of Yahweh, the cup of Yahweh that we bless. Yes, uh, so let's bless the wine. Let's bless the bread now. And it says that we should examine ourselves, ask forgiveness of any sin, all sin, and just give it to him, uh, and we're to not take of the cup unworthily, that is not the place, uh, you know, reduce the value of it. Realize this is the highest and greatest source of life in the universe. This is the the blood of the precious lamb, the perfect Yahweh Elohim in a flesh body. And every cell of our body is held together by him and by his will. And We need the anointing. We need his blessing. We need his the Shiach. So, uh, it's important to place great value on it, the bread and the wine. His His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And Yeshua told uh, at the upper room at the Passover, and uh, he said, as often as you drink of His cup and as often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. <clears throat> and he said that this is the cup of the new covenant. And uh, that's when they got to that last cup. And that that cup is drunk every week. And so uh, as often as you do, well, at that stage, the uh, the communion was taken weekly or two times a week, but sometimes when, for example, Melchizedek just showed up for Abraham, Abraham broke bread with him and had the communion with him. Sometimes even on a Sunday, we see uh, the first day of the week that they are breaking bread, going from house to house, so we too can do it as much as possible because we need it we need to remember how we get uh, the forgiveness of sins by his perfect sacrifice and that he was raised from the dead for our justification. And that is symbolized in that white wine that they take at the very end of the Passover. And Yeshua said, this is a cup of the new covenant. It's filled with the light, <clears throat> symbolic. But we pray that we're able to partake of that true and that real blood that was shed for us and that we're able to receive on our mouth his word and that it becomes in our tongue. And it says that word will not depart out of the mouth of our seed or our seed's seed. We pray that, like Joshua said, that this book of the law will not depart from my mouth, but we will do according to what it says. That we pray that, as the heart it pumps the truth, the light through it, the source of of nourishment for every cell in our body, and that the heart will be filled, that the heart will become a, a as it says, full of His love, with love Him with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And Yeshua, when he repeated this, he said, this is the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh your Elohim. Yahweh is one God, and you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So may our thinking also be more of him as we take of it today, with those hearts that have his law written on them by the Holy Spirit. That new covenant is that his laws will be written on our hearts. May this day uh, we receive his law written on our hearts. May we receive this day the love for him with all of our hearts, which is the first and most important commandment written before we can move on to anything else. May we be filled that we are able to say we love Yahweh, God of Israel, may we be filled to say that we love him, who is everything, who's made a covenant to share it with us, who's made a, he was our, we are to be sons and reach his adoption. May we all say we love and receive and honor and believe and have the right attitude and have the right uh right standing to have honor for him to have to place great value on him in such a way that we love him with all of our heart to realize he he fulfills every great desire of our heart more than we could ever imagine and so let's just take a bit this day uh and i will say the blessing in in hebrew Uh, first on the on the on the bread. This is the way that Yeshua prayed it, and this is the way we pray it today. Baruch atah Eloheinu Melech Amen. Now in English. Blessed are You, Yahweh our Elohim, King of the Universe, who brings forth bread from the earth.
2: presence is in the breath, we put our hands over it, and we said, blessed are you.
1: We take of the substance, the nourishment of it, now we take of the source. It says that the
2: life is in the blood.
1: Baruch atah Yahweh, Elohim Melech ha'olah, peri agafin, amen. Blessed are you, Yahweh our Elohim, King of the Universe, who creates the fruit of life. Baham, to life. If you've just received it, made a new covenant with Yahweh, you can uh, redo this uh, prayer if you didn't have your wine and bread ready. You can download the MP3 and do the communion service together with us. Also join us every Sabbath. We'll be glad to to, uh, share the communion cup and uh, bread together, blessing it as a corporate body that he has commanded us to do so uh uh pastor Les, are you ready to do the ironic blessing you can do it in hebrew or english or both
3: can you hear me
1: yeah try and speak as close as you can but yeah please do
3: uh,
2: That any better?
1: Not really, but just uh, go ahead and do it. I think we can hear you enough.
3: Give <laughs>
2: Well, thank you so much,
1: Pastor Les. Uh, You're a son of Aaron, an Irishman. So, best fitting you do it. (laughs) And, uh, well, uh, now we normally will close in... Say uh, no one leaves without ten hugs, and uh, everyone should join us for a meal and fellowship at this time. And uh, wherever you are, uh, have a good uh, continuation of the Sabbath together with your loved ones. Take care, and Yahweh bless you. Bye-bye.